1: Researchers at the University of Nebraska at Omaha have received funding from the National Institutes of Health to study how the brain adapts to the use of 3D printed prosthetics. Associate Professor of Biomechanics, Dr. Jorge Zenega is working on this study with his colleague, Assistant Professor of Biometrics at UNO, Dr. Brian Narr. Dr. Zenega takes us into that study this morning on KFOWARS Lincoln Live. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Why young children and why upper limb prosthetics as opposed to older people and lower limb prosthetics?
0: That makes sense, because well, you know children well the the, the the summary of it all is that children are complicated as we know they're complicated, but also the benefit is that it gives you a really good model of understanding how humans learn and adapt to a limb that they never had before. so the group of children we work with, they are born with an upper limb reduction deficiency, so they are born like that. And we're trying to figure it out something very simple you know it's like how these children that never had a limb before right never had a limb and the upper extremities to put it in perspective use about half of percent i mean half of the brain power between upper extremity movements and vocalization you know speech uses about half percent fifty percent of your brain power so it makes sense to study those things because it has the most impact. And in this type of population, nobody ever has ever wondered, you know, how does a child learn and adapt to a limb they never had before? They have done these things, you know, at Harvard with vision, with audition, you know, auditory experiments, but they have actually never done it with missing limbs.
1: The level of loss uh, above elbow versus below elbow is that a component in your study?
0: We are trying to make it wide, so we are looking at partial hand reduction deficiencies, but also those that are below and above the elbow. Uh, uh, and and yeah, if that's uh, what we are learning. What we are learning is that we're learning that the amount, the amount of reduction, are are those a Produce the largest change, uh, we call it the practice-induced changes in the brain. And our data, you know, we're working on a paper for science. I don't know if you're familiar with the Journal of Science, but it's a, like one of the most prestigious journals. We're writing this paper in which we are uh, showing, you know, the, neural, the area of the neural networks associated to the motor learning of children's missing limbs, which I think is going to open a fantastic window to understand how do they learn, how do they adapt, and how can we improve our devices so they don't reject them. Rejecting a device means that you gave a device to a child that's missing an arm, you give them an arm, an artificial arm, but they use it for one or two weeks and then they don't use it anymore. But now in 2000 in 2022 we have so many technological advances and the rejection rates is still the same so our it may not be just the devices it may be the brain and that's what we're doing
1: the device of which you speak it's a 3d prosthetic tell us about those types of 3d printed devices
0: well you know it's uh, 3D printing, also known as additive manufacturing. And what that is, you know, it's basically a way of manufacturing things. And it works like a glue gun, you know, uses layers of plastic, one on top of each other at different densities until you form an object. And the computer follows the geometry of a digital uh, model. So you can have actually a scan of one of your arms and then you put this digital model on the computer and then send it to a machine that manufactured the same exact thing made out of plastic and other different materials. So what what happened with that is that it significantly lowered the cost of these devices. And, you know, for the people listening to this, um, imagine if you have a child. And imagine that your child is uh, born with an upper limb production deficiency. Or maybe you adopted somebody that became with, an not producing reduction deficiencies so missing arms and imagine that you take him to the pediatrician you know and to do a health check and and they will notice that he's missing an arm but there is not a like a registry where you can know the number of teeth and then typically when they are become when they become six years of age so be, below before six years of age these children think that their arm is going to develop like a seed they, they, they look at trees and plants, and they think the blue nuts, when they're missing a, 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 a hand for example, and this is before six years of age, they think that by putting maybe water on it or waiting, it'll grow. And the harsh reality seen for the parents after six years of age, and that's the age we see a lot of kids in our lab, they come here because the parents have a hard time explaining to them that it's not gonna grow. It's not going to grow. And the children at that age are able to understand some of them. So, when that's out the window, they need to find a prosthesis, a prosthetic device. So, and then what they do, they go look at the insurance and they find out that it doesn't cover it. And then they say, okay, how much are these devices? And typically, $15,000, they can get lower, but in general, you have to pay out of pocket. About fifteen thousand dollars, or maybe more, depending on the device. So, what additive manufacturing has done is that it gives us it gives the power back to the back back to the parents, in which they can really say, "Okay, there are ways to do this," and, and and people around the world are actually doing it, and they lowered the. I mean, we we were have been able to lower the cost to these devices. To be honest with you, about Fifty, a hundred dollars, of the materials, not the cost of labor, obviously, Mm -hmm. just the materials. But that is is the price tag that we can absorb as university, and make a research project out of it, and then understand how the kids adapt and learn. I think it's a great deal for everyone, right,
1: Doctor? I am wearing about a fifty thousand dollar. Prosthetic, <laughs> my sea leg, which is a microprocessed knee from Ottobock. There are about a hundred thousand of these in the world, and I'm very privileged enough to be capable of having one, and a, a good network of people around me that have enabled me to be able to get this device. But cost, oh yeah. It's a big deal. It's a driving factor. And I can imagine it for for me, the same knee will work for me. I've obviously stopped growing at the age of 65. Sure, uh, But for children who go through spurts, my gosh, they could be going through a prosthetic a year.
0: Absolutely. All right. I know it's a, and it's also gender specific. because then you have boys mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. sure, because they grow, they have to change their prosthesis, mm-hmm. but they also break them. Specifically boys. Now, girls, typically, this is based on data that we have, right? Because we have one of the biggest um, data sets in the nation. Um, And I also have, I should say, I'm I'm not shy to say that we're probably the number one team in the nation doing this thing. I'm saying this because I want people listening to this show. That if they have or if they know a child with an upper limb reduction deficiency that needs a device, you need to come to the University of Nebraska Omaha, the partner of biomechanics. We have the technology and the resources to help you. In fact, we see we see a lot of our patients. We see them every other Wednesday from five to seven thirty. Provide services for free, so we have the top of the notch engineers and therapists to provide these services because is is in need, you know. So, um, but anyhow. Um, I think it's important for for people to know that we have those sort of resources, you know, and and we absorb the cost, you know. We don't really because it's, we can do it very cheap. Where we we got really good at it, and um, and I, I think it's it has the potential to maybe help many other people.
1: Now, I was drawn, as I said, to this study because I'm an above knee amputee, uh-huh. realizing, of course, that unlike the upper limb prosthetics. Uh, which allow the wearer to move their fingers, lower limb amputees can't move their toes. But I wanted to share that with you that I'm an amputee uh, because in my mind I am moving my toes. Right now in my mind it seems to me as though I am moving my toes. The nerve highways from my brain to my toes end at my limb, yet it doesn't prevent me from attempting to move my toes. So as far as the sensation of moving my toes, I'm performing that function my brain is performing that function
0: you know i'm so glad you mentioned that because what's coming next so right now let me let, let me talk to about a patient we're working with that has similar um feelings but for the upper limb and let me tell you what's coming next because this is it's called target muscle reinnervation. so tmr target muscle reinnervation, and we have been working with some surgeons at the University of Nebraska Medical Center with a patient that lost his shoulder, entire arm. And what we did is we're kind of harnessing those nerves that give you the perception of moving certain parts of, you, of, you, of your limbs, of your missing limb, to actuate the actual artificial limbs. And this is something we're already doing. This is something that's happening. So imagine in the future for lower limbs, in which you have folks like you, Dale, that have this phantom limb sensation. It's no pain. Fortunately for you, it's no pain, it's Mm -hmm. sensation. And think about if we understand what neural networks or what cortical representation is doing that and harness those activation because the feeling is is associated to to an electrical impulse. Think if we put like, an amplifier to amplify that electrical impulse and actuate wirelessly uh your you toes. Right? And honestly, it is it's happening it's happening now for upper extremity, and it's actually a matter of time that this is gonna happen for lower lower extremity. That that is why we have to support research and people like us that have this vision, you know, that doing things that are imaginable. And becoming a reality. i offer offered this at a cost that's accessible to people, too, because, you know, you have these amazing breakthroughs. That's part of the job. Our next job also is to bring it down cost so people can access it, right? So it's exciting. The next, I, I would say, 10 years in prosthetics is, is going to be a very exciting time.
1: Well, Dr. Zaniga, you, you know where to reach me.
0: <laughs> yes, I know. They, are, they will out very soon, actually. So
1: you know where to reach me because this research is just so exciting. Let's have you repeat what you said about uh, for our listeners. There, there are bound to be uh, some listeners' parents who have children with limb loss that that are having issues with the affordability of prosthetics, not aware at all that UNO is in the forefront with uh, with with needing kids and wanting kids and treating kids. Could you make that offer again?
0: Absolutely. So, look, so uh, Department of Biomechanics, Department of Biomechanics, if you simply Google UNO, UNO, University of Nebraska at Omaha, Department of Biomechanics, and you put prosthetics for children, as simple as that, you're going to see my name popping up all over the place, you know, and and my email is public. So you can just (laughs) literally take my email and email me. And my phone number of my office is there. It's public as well because we want to be reachable. So no privacy on that. You just can call me, email me anytime, any day. Uh, We do this 24-7 and we live. This this is our livelihood. You know, we're lucky to do something that really, really motivates us and, and Folks, I'm not alone. I have a selected team of engineers that are right there in the laboratory working on this. So it's just such a great opportunity for, for our folks here in Omaha to come and visit us. You know, it, you don't even have to be missing a limb. If you want to know, if you have a child that want to learn this stuff and you want, they need mentorship, come to us. We'll, hey, we're in the business of fishing sharing with people and helping.
1: There is your invitation. You don't get that from many radio shows, folks. And if you want the information, you can always come to me. I have Dr. Uh, Ziniga's information, emails, phone numbers. It's all right here so you can get a hold of me. Sir, thank you. This has been exciting, and uh, I want to reach out again and keep this conversation going, all right?
0: Dale, thank you so much for the invitation.
1: Thank you very much, everybody, for being here on Lincoln Live.